welcome to the What I Love About Men podcast. I'm your host, Steph Ganowski. After having multiple negative experiences with men, I started to believe all men were toxic. That is, until a few male strangers challenged my belief completely. This made me realize that a major problem with men in relationships stems from the fact that most men don't really love themselves or pay enough attention to their own strengths. I want to change that. Now I'm on a mission to help men thrive mentally, emotionally, physically, and sexually in their relationships with themselves and with women. So stay tuned and see how my passion can help you as a man. Hey guys, welcome back to the What I Love About Men podcast. In today's episode, I have an amazing guest with me here. I'm so excited to dig into what she does. Dr. Sarah Shevritz is a licensed psychologist specializing in love and relationships and the founder of the online psychology practice, Couples Learn. She's been working with couples and individuals to improve their love lives for over 10 years now and has completed advanced trainings in both Imago Couples Therapy and Gottman Methods Couples Therapy. Dr. Sarah's private practice is relatively unique in that she is one of the only doctoral level couples therapists whose practice is 100% online, which is super cool. Sarah is regularly featured in articles for outlets such as Reader's Digest, Career Builder, Playboy, Refinery21, Bustle, Connect with Life, Ask Men, Self, and more. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thanks for being on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. So first I want to know, like, what got you interested in couples therapy? one of those things that just a lot of stuff falls into place. Um, I actually went to college for something totally different. And I, but I, oh, it, prior to that, I had always kind of been the person that loved to hear about everyone's relationships and talk about their problems. And, you know, people would come to me about that stuff. So it was always kind of an interest of mine, but never a consideration for a career, mainly because I didn't, I don't think I knew that couples therapists existed. <laughs> and yeah. so then I went to college, started taking a bunch of bio classes because I was going into science as a field and I hated it and took a psychology class specifically on family interactions. And then I took one on human sexuality and love. And I was hooked. I was like, this is incredible. I 100% want to do this. I can't believe you can just talk to people about love and relationships for a living. This is so fun. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think part of that too was growing up in a house with a lot of conflict. My parents fought a lot. It kind of was enticing to me that there were ways you could change that and you didn't just have to live with it. So all those things kind of piled together to be the perfect career for me. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I wanted to ask because I was always like, no, I'm always curious, is it because they're that go-to person when they're younger to talk about like couples and help couples and like help, you know, girls get over their, their, you know, boyfriend drama and all that? <laughs> yeah. I feel like a lot of psychologists or therapists are those people growing up and mm-hmm. then it's just kind of a natural fit. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And what is Imago? Can you go over quick what Imago couples therapy is? Yeah. It's pronounced Imago. It's I-M-A-G-O though. So it looks a little weird. Um, Imago means image in Latin, I believe. And it's a type of couples therapy that is really cool because it combines a lot of practical behavioral stuff and a lot of really great tools with kind of the more um, psychoanalytic kind of looking into your childhood, figuring out what your childhood wounding is and how it's impacting your relationship. So it kind of blends the both of both, best of both worlds, which I'm I really like a research-based kind of practical approach, but we can't ignore our our unconscious mind because it's so freaking powerful. And so bringing both those things in is just, people get great results and it 
it's, it creates a really nice structure. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah, that's interesting. Like the subconscious takes up so much of who we are and like how we perceive the world and how we, you know, show different sides of ourselves and people don't realize we're, it's like we're in control, but we're not really in control. (laughs) Yeah. And a good example I heard once, or I guess an analogy would be the right word is, um, your, your conscious mind is your head and the unconscious mind is the neck. Like the neck controls Mm. where the head goes and Ooh, I, like that. I know, right? And yeah. our unconscious mind really controls a lot more than we realize. Yeah. What is yeah. the best way, um, you know, being a psychologist, what is the best way to help people tap into their subconscious mind? It, it has to be kind of a slow revealing process. It can't be something where somebody just tells you like, this is what's going on and these are your unconscious beliefs. And here you go. It takes a while for you to kind of like fully integrate all the stuff you learn. So it's just piece by piece. And there's, um, it's different for everybody kind of how you can approach it. But one good thing to look at, especially when it comes to relationships is what are the patterns in your relationships or in your dating? And are you attracting a certain type of person over and over again? Or are you being a certain way that's not working over and over again? And that can kind of be a roadmap to what are some of the unconscious beliefs or like love templates that are driving mm-hmm. the unhealthy behavior, whether it be being the wrong person or choosing the wrong person. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. When it comes to choosing the wrong person, what do you find in your practice is the most common unhealthy behavior in terms of what people are keep finding themselves attracted to? Yeah. Um, most individuals in my practice are if they're in a relationship, they're coming to me because their partner's really challenging and also not willing to look within and go to therapy. And most of the time, their partners have some sort of personality disorder or addiction. Um, so they might be narcissistic. They might have borderline personality personality disorder. Um, they might be an addict and and emotions. All those kind of will be emotionally abusive, really volatile. Mm-hmm really hard to deal with. They won't take responsibility for their behavior. They're going to gaslight you and make you feel like you're crazy (laughs) for having a problem with their behavior. um, When in reality, their behavior is just so out of line. So that's what I'll see most of the time is people choosing abusive partners, essentially, or narcissistic Mm -hmm. partners in some way, shape or form um, that mirrors one of their parents. Those people grew up with like addict parents or emotionally abusive parents or parents who were just totally checked out and neglected them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was in a, a narcissistic relationship and, and it was like, at that point, it just felt like he could never be fit. Like, can a narcissist ever really see another perspective or change or can they just not? It's funny. I was having this conversation with a friend of mine yesterday. She's a relationship coach and we were on a hike and we were kind of debating this. Um, Mm. The psychological community mostly believes no, um, they're not, you're not going to see a major shift in behavior if it's a true pathological narcissist. Um, Some people have narcissistic traits and they have insight and they have the ability to see, hey, this isn't working for me people are repelled by me or like I keep having relationship after relationship that gets super chaotic. Like maybe I'm the cause or at least maybe I'm helping co-create it. 
those people probably aren't full on narcissistic personality disorder. Like you couldn't probably diagnose them, but they have some traits and they can definitely shift if driven. Mainly if you see a true narcissist in therapy, it's because they're trying to control or change somebody else's behavior. So I'll see them a lot in couples therapy, um, mm. but so that I can fix their partner in air quotes. <laughs> yeah. Um, or because there's some gain for their change. Like if they change, they'll get something that they want. But it's not like a true empathy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I feel like that's dangerous to mm-hmm. like give them even more awareness or power. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I would be like stressed in your situation. <laughs> no. Um, so interesting. All right. Yeah. Now to get too uh, far off topic, because I want to talk about. Um, well, actually, what I do want to talk about is like being in safe relationships. And you actually have that in your bio. That's how you, um, you know, even on Instagram, the first thing you do to describe yourself is like you say you help people feel safe to love again. So yeah. what exactly does that mean? How do you, what is, you know, what is safe in a relationship? Uh, I feel like love is one of those things that so many people have had. They've been hurt so many times before. They've had really negative experiences and it just feels unsafe. It feels scary. It feels dangerous. It feels like you're going to get hurt or you're going to get disappointed or abused, if you, especially if you grew up being abused. Uh, and there's so much to work through to start to feel safe again within yourself first and with the partner and then with communicating in a healthy way and setting healthy boundaries. So there's just so much around safety and love that's intertwined, I think. Mm. Okay. So what would you, what's like a good exercise, like say someone's coming from an abusive relationship or a place where they're afraid to love again, or they're afraid to put their heart out there. What Mm -hmm. is one thing they can focus on or one action they can take in order to bring themselves closer to a place of feeling safety and maybe trusting again in a relationship? So in those instances, they probably have lost trust in themselves and their ability to choose a healthy partner or attract a healthy partner. Um, they might have some worthiness wounds of like, I, you know, am I even worth having a healthy, happy love? So the first thing to do is build yourself up and yourself love up. Mm-hmm. And that really, there's so many ways to go about that, but a very consistent way is just watch how you're talking to yourself. You know, a lot of people are super critical. They're really harsh on themselves. They're berating when they make a mistake. Like, oh, so stupid. How could I do that? Instead, you should be saying like, it's right. People make mistakes. You made a mistake. No big deal. Move on. Life goes on, you know? Yeah. So just internalizing that healthy parent voice that you may not have had as a kid. Um, So you may be integrating the critical parent voice that you did have, but it's, it's not serving you. And so shifting that inner dialogue is really powerful. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And we do it at times when we think it's just a joke and it's like, oh, I don't mean it, but mm-hmm. your body thinks you mean it. <laughs> the more you have those words on repeat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and our unconscious mind learns through repetition. So we started mm-hmm. earlier talking about the unconscious mind. If you're repeatedly calling yourself a moron, you're going to start believing you're a moron. Mm-hmm. If you're repeatedly repeatedly telling yourself you're freaking awesome man this is you're great you're killing it you're gonna start believing that Mm -hmm. and then take actions towards that belief that prove that belief to be correct Mm -hmm. right yeah 
Yeah, that's a little bit of a slippery slope, though, because a lot of us feel like we have to achieve to be worthy of love, men in mm. particular. And you don't. You actually are just worthy of love, period. <laughs> I don't care what you did. I don't care who you are. By virtue of you being here, you're worthy. And so it's not necessarily like do all these things to prove it to yourself or to somebody else. It's, it's honestly changing the dialogue and believing it without having to do anything. Mm. I love that. This kind of goes along with this thought. Um, the quote that you put on your Instagram was, not everyone who's single is lonely. Not everyone who is taken is in love. So yeah, it's better to stay, um, it's better to stay single than to settle. But do you think more people are just simply giving up on love or giving up on relationships like in society today, like with everything going on? There's a lot of people that are just like, oh, screw it. I'll just be single. Like, and then they live resenting the opposite sex instead of feeling strong in that single power? Um, um, yeah, I think there's all types. So yes, I think those people are out there. What would you and, say to those people? Um, well, I was just going to say, and our society tends to like to think everybody who's single feels that way and that there's something wrong with being single. And there is not. There really isn't. And many people lead amazing, fulfilling lives without a partner and have an amazing community around them or don't. Like maybe they're more of an island type and don't need a community. Fine. Um, so I don't think there is one right way to approach single or dating or relationships. But the people who are, you know, maybe jaded and afraid and feeling kind of burned and just, if you're just taking a break, I think that's totally fine. Um, it's easy to get burned out in dating today. So yeah, sometimes you just want to be like, you know what? I'm done for a while. This is full. I can't do this anymore. Like I've had so many annoying first dates or so many stupid conversations on the apps that don't go anywhere. Like I'm over it. I don't, I don't see a problem in that. Honestly, if you, if that feels authentic for you, what's if like a you, healthy break. There isn't such thing. Yeah. So like, that's what I'm saying. I feel like we try to classify everything um, as what's healthy versus not. And it varies so much individual to individual. And so for somebody to judge one person's break based on their own isn't fair because they're in totally different life circumstances, walking totally different paths. Mm -hmm. I think like the biggest message around love and dating is self-acceptance and just acceptance in general. So if you're in a place of feeling like I freaking hate this and I don't want to do it and this isn't fun anymore, then you probably do need a break in all honesty mm -hmm. until you can and do some inner work, do some reflection, like look at, do some therapy, figure out what's going on, then maybe go back to it when you're starting to feel a little more hopeful. Yeah. 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 I like that. Cause I do like, I do know that there's a lot of guys on my channel and on my Instagram, especially who resent women and they're like upset that they're single, mm -hmm. but at the same time, they're like, oh, screw it. I don't want her. But like, but you know, they want her like based on the things they tell me. So it's like, okay, well, you know, maybe it's time to look within. And I think like, I love what you said. It really does come down to, you know, self-acceptance and working on yourself and taking as much time as you need to just do what you need to do for you before you know, giving to someone else, just give to yourself first. Right. If you're in the place of, I mean, I feel like what you're asking is like, if somebody's in the place of 
I hate dating. I hate women. They're all terrible or something like that. And they're just in a really negative place around it. And they also really want to find love. So they're kind of in that, I don't know, 50, 50 split of like, I want this so bad, but I, what I'm doing isn't working. Mm -hmm. Then yeah, it's for sure time to look at your approach and your mindset around it and who you're being and who you're, because we attract what we are and we attract what we're putting out there. So if you're attracting really low quality individuals, I mean, if you're a high quality individual, you're going to attract everything, but it's just what you let into your sphere. Also, like maybe you're letting too many people who aren't of the level that you want to date into your space and you should be like setting boundaries a lot faster and just letting them go a lot faster. Hmm. And how do you mean like you're talking about? I feel like that's burnout. That's dating burnout. Mm. You know? So to me that says, okay, you're having too many experiences in general and just overwhelmed. And like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. 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 That sounds about right. When, um, when you say boundaries, yeah. What do you mean exactly by setting boundaries in that scenario? So in dating, um, let's say you're getting a ton of messages and, you know, every guy's dream, right? Like just <laughs> flooded with messages. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and like you can tell some, some people just are not your thing, but and you kind of know that right off the bat. And you're like, oh, but maybe, just maybe I'll give her a chance and chat with her a little bit and see what happens. And then you chat for a day and you're still not feeling it. And like this girl can't even spell or whatever it is. Um, she just doesn't seem like my type or she seems like she's kind of just looking to have a good time and I'm looking for something serious. Any of those red flags, but you keep persevering. And maybe you even go out on a date dates lukewarm and you're like okay but maybe you know I'll just you know you need to be like listening to your intuition from the get-go setting some boundaries if you're feeling overwhelmed so if you go on fewer dates so what that's okay yeah and I I know there's a lot of guys also and people in general but I I speak to men for the most part um there's a lot of guys that don't want to waste time and they're like I don't want to waste time with the wrong person like I feel like it's a waste of time you know and it's like sometimes it's what do you think about that? Like, I think it's good to just get a variety of experiences so you know, like what you're not looking for too, or like what you really like, you know, regardless of whether or not she's the one, like, what do you like about her that you can find in someone else? Totally agree. Yeah. I think it's only a wasted experience if you're not learning something. Mm. So are you doing any sort of personal growth work or insight oriented work to like figure out what you can pull from these experiences? Mm. If you're in the space of feeling like you're wasting time, my guess is no. Yeah. So I guess it's the mindset around it. It's like, what are you looking for? I have an intention to, to learn something from this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, is it so terrible to go out to a coffee shop and have a conversation with somebody that you didn't know before and le- maybe learn something about somebody? Like, that can be a fun experience if you don't open yourself up to, what can I learn today? What can I experience today that's different from yesterday? Cool. What do you have, what do you have to say about expectations when it comes to dating, I think like so many guys just have these expectations that, you know, a, a kiss means success, you know, a phone number means success. Otherwise I'm a failure and I suck. <laughs> so what would you say to guys who have like that level of expectations or just so tied to them that they feel like they're failing? That again, goes back to self-love. It, it's almost always at the core of it is 
if I don't do this, I'm not worthy. And that's not true. Like if somebody doesn't want to date you, if somebody doesn't want to give you their number, it's not a reflection of you as a person, your quality as a person, how lovable you are. None of that is correlated. You just weren't a good fit for her. Hmm. That's okay. Where I'm not a good fit for everyone. You're not a good fit for everyone. Nobody's a good fit for everyone. So if somebody rejects me, it's like, right, that's cool. I'm just not a good fit. Yeah, doesn't mean I'm a bad lover or a bad person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. nice. Like, great. Thank you for giving me that information quickly so I don't waste time. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to guys who um, blame women for things such as like, oh, well, women are, it's because women are too emotional. Like I can't handle it. Like there's drama all the time. You know, that's why a relationship failed. Like she wouldn't stop nagging or she wouldn't stop complaining. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and then there's men who just really have the belief that there's no more good women out there. And I'm not sure if that's like a true belief or that's just them protecting themselves emotionally. But what would you say to men who don't really take the, the ownership themselves and just put it right away on women? I would ask, how's that working out for you? (laughs) you're complaining so I'm guessing it's not going too well and um there's that cliche maybe it's cliche some people have heard it some people haven't but like when you're pointing a finger at somebody there's three pointing back at you Mm -hmm. so again you attract what you are so are you creating drama are you um attracted to somebody dramatic because you grew up in a really tumultuous home and you haven't done any work to heal that yet. And so you're just recreating and replaying your childhood in every single relationship. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of introspection to do there. And if you want to keep blaming other people, you are not going to see much of a shift. So that that's totally your prerogative. Um, But would you say the first step is taking ownership or like just becoming more aware of why do I feel this way? Or like, where's this? I would say if you're noticing a pattern, like, first of all, notice, am I noticing a pattern? Um, So if all women are too emotional or too dramatic, that's a pattern, not of actually women are that because there's many women out there who are not, but that's who you're attracting. So what, who are you being to pull in those types or what are you allowing or what red flags might you be missing that's leading you to get into relationships with women who are emotionally draining and dramatic. So that's the first step is like, notice if there's a pattern, then yeah, start to look within who am I being. Hmm. I like that. I know, I know there's a lot of guys who see patterns like, Oh, all women want me for my money. Every time I date a woman, like she wants me for my money or Hmm. every time I date a woman, it's just all drama or every time I date a woman, it's like, she's, they're all narcissists, you know, and there's, there's so many attraction patterns that it's like, like, what do you do? But yeah, there's this um, part of your brain that is kind of there to scan the environment for things that are relevant to you. I think it's called the RAS, but I can't remember. I think yeah. The reticular activating system. Okay. That's what I thought it was, but I wasn't like, I wasn't positive enough to say it. <laughs> um, and you know, if you're shopping for a car, you're going to start seeing that car everywhere. And so if you believe, and that's because your RAS is focused on that. It's like, oh, there's that whatever, Ford. Um, and you never notice how many are on the road, right? So like 
right now you're focused on women are dramatic, women are emotional. So you are going to see stuff that confirms that belief because your RAS is primed to believe that and look for that. Mm -hmm. And we tend to ignore, you know, if you're looking for the Ford Explorer on the road, because that's what you want to drive and you keep seeing all the Ford Explorers, you're not going to notice all the Toyota 4Runners out there because mm -hmm. your RAS isn't primed on those. Yeah. Back yeah. to subconscious. Oh, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. That's so nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and people don't believe it. They're like, yeah, okay, like bullshit. But mm -hmm. it's, it happens with literally everyone who buys a new car. They're like, all of a sudden my car is everyone. <laughs> like, everyone says that. It's like, yeah, there's a reason why you're seeing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It just relates right back to women and everything. Pretty much. Yeah. And then there's also a self-fulfilling prophecy kind of effect that happens where if you think all women are dramatic, the second a woman brings up a need or um, wants to have a conversation, you might react by being like, here we go. Mm -hmm. And you're bringing the drama in that scenario when she might just be coming to you like, babe, something's going on. I want to have a talk about it. Just yeah. calm, cool as a cucumber, wasn't going to react dramatically. You got all up in arms and suddenly she's like, what the hell is going on here? Now you're in a fight. You know, and now, yeah. yeah, women are dramatic because you made it dramatic, you know, but yeah, your self-fulfilling prophecy did that. Yeah, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that happens with most relationships. Like, it's just, oh, it really is all yeah. us. Like, it's, it's how we react. Well, yeah. And if both people are taking responsibility for themselves, then you're in really good shape because mm. um, it's not mm. like you're co-creating it, but you both can only control yourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Awesome stuff. Okay. If you could, so last question, if you could leave single men with one piece of advice, like the most important thing you think guys today should know, or, you know, remember, keep in mind, what would it be? Oh my gosh. I just, so I, I will just say there are so many great people out there single and looking for love. I see it all the time because obviously I get to hear people's kind of like innermost value systems and fears and vulnerabilities and I get to see like the real raw them and they are freaking amazing and I have so many single men and women in my practice who have that belief like there's nobody good out there and I'm like if only I could pair some of my clients <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> like, no. <laughs> if there weren't this pesky confidentiality thing right <laughs> um no but literally I'm like no you don't understand there's so many good guys like in my head the I'm like, right before yeah, like the person right before you has the exact same fears and worries and he's so great and this girl oh. was you know, so like it's just funny I just you know I get a really beautiful inside look into people's um, heart and soul and mm. if you can be like a safe place for somebody and own your own shit and give them permission to do the same, you can also get that look into people's lives. Um, so it's just embrace it, be open, be vulnerable, be curious. And mm. I think you'll find some really good stuff out there. Oh, amazing. Great advice. Thanks so much, Sarah. Thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate what you do and what you're doing for this world and the people in it to find love and find it within themselves, especially. So thank you. Uh, thank you, Seth. This was super fun. 
Guys, if you enjoyed this episode with Sarah, don't forget to check her out on social media. Everything is under Couples Learn. So you can check her out on Instagram at Couples Learn or go to her website, coupleslearn.com. This way you can stay in touch with what she's doing, what she's got going on to help you guys, especially those of you in relationships. So that's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Have a good morning, evening, or night, wherever you are in the world. Talk to you soon, guys. Bye.